This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show where you come for the accent and you stay for the principles. And today, we're going to have a special guest. We have the, the Frenchy Frenchy accent. Oh, yes, we do. And today's show is, is actually going to be rather interesting because today I don't have a guest. It's all me, baby. You're stuck with me for the ever how long we decide to talk. But today's show is going to be interesting because I already know by my show prep, I'm in really good mood because I'm back training. But by going through my show prep, I already know I'm going to get angrier and angrier and angrier as the show goes through. And we can get to that as we get to it. But I want to start today's show by laying the groundwork, by sharing a story with you of something that's happened in my personal life recently. And I share this not because, hey, I, I want you to feel bad for me, because I'm not, I, I actually kind of find this funny, and I'm making the funny side of this story, but I want to share it to you because it's a highlight of exactly what's going on in your country right now. And it's time to acknowledge what's happening, and it's happening on all sides. So, as you all know, may know, may not know, in August 28th, in... Approximately 140 days, not that I'm counting or anything, I'll be traveling to your country. I'm going on a long vacation because I haven't had a vacation in a long time. Haven't been in your country in a long time. Um, I don't know whether I've shared this publicly or not, but I'm going to write a book. So I'm going to be over there researching and, and going to the National Archives. Um, hopefully they let me in to research the founding documents and to write a historical book in your country. But at night, I'm going to do a lot of speaking because what else am I going to do? And I'm going to speak to as many groups as I can. And I'm really lucky in the sense that when I do these, you know, vacations and I do speaking tours, I, I, I don't have to do a lot of work. I just say where I'm going and people invite me to speak and I get to talk about your family principles. I get to do, you know, different speeches at different lengths. It's great. I have an absolute blast. And I'm working and sending out bios and different things. And a group got in touch with me, said, hey, we know you're coming. We saw your bio. We'd love to have you speak. And I'm like, absolutely excellent. When? And a lot of the meetings I speak at are generally, you know, right of center, GOP, Tea Party, Libertarian, 912, constitutional type groups. And normally they meet about once a month. And they said, hey, we meet on this day. And how can you, would you be able to come to us? And I was like, oh, I'm in your state a lot earlier. And there was communication. Anyway, long story short, on one of the meetings in September, I was in another state and I Googled it. And I was like, just out of curiosity, because it was a lunchtime meeting. Out of curiosity, how far away are you? So it was like three hours drive. So I agreed that, you know what, here's what I'm going to do. And um, because I want to reach as many people as possible and I'm free on that day, I'm going to drive three hours to your event, but I need to finish on time. I can't stay late because I have another event pre-booked in three hours drive away. So I'm going to go drive three hours, go to your event, three hours drive back to the other event, and then do the nighttime event. No problem. Edmonds agreed, everything signed, seen the delivered. No problems. I'm like, okay, that's great. That's another booking. That's going to be a long day. It's going to be a lot of driving, but it's going to be fun. This is what I'll do. A couple of weeks pass, maybe two, maybe three. Get an email from the, the person I've been dealing with. No pleasantries, no, hey, how are you? Are you staying safe? You know, the usual stuff we all put in emails. Hey, hope you're keeping well. Are you safe? Is Ireland out of lockdown? No. 
Um, no, just straight to the point. Jonathan, are you a Republican? Signed by with their, their email signature. Now, context for this. Asking an Irish person if they're Republican has a lot of meanings. It's not a straightforward question. So that's the first thing you need to understand. This is, hey, are you a Republican? You know, like the, the Republican Party in America, you know, your Mitt Romney's, your Ted Cruz's, your Donald Trump Republican? Are you a Republican Ireland, you know, in, in the sense of, you know, the Republican Party, you know, kind of Fianna Fáil type thing? Or are you a Republican, you know, like the IRA terrorists? So it has so many meanings. So I answer back truthfully, as I always do. I, I'm, I'm an open book with everyone. No, I don't belong to any political party, this side of the aisle or in your country. I'm, this is who I am. I'm a speaker. I speak to anyone who will have me. Why? Just pause right there for a second. Oh, I wish I didn't answer that question. Why did I ask that question? Why Why did I write those treated words? Why? Call, you know, this is the time cured, the cat got killed by curiosity. I was like, bang, dead. Instant reply. Because one of our members has, has suspect, uh, one of our members suspects you of being a, now let's pause there for a second. One of our members, it's not the board, one of our members suspects you of being a, what do you think that A was? Just think, what's the worst thing that possibly could come? Well, in this case, that A word was a libertarian. Oh my God. This is, the, this is what we have to deal with. Now, I get there's some libertarians who are really crazy. You know, like the, the people like Vernon Supreme who have like the Wellington on their hat and different things. Get it. Maybe you don't want that type of person in your group. But it takes like two minutes of research to figure out I'm not that guy. I have seven years worth of shows on the Blakes. I've done countless videos. In the bio I send people, there are three links to speeches I have given. I've been on many different shows. There, You can find me. You can see me on social media. You know, so if that was your concern, clearly... You know, do two minutes research, you find that's not it. Anyway, long story short, I'm not speaking with that group anymore. Because I just don't have time for that pettiness. The reason I'm sharing this story is not to say, oh, feel sorry for me. Don't, because I actually can, I actually found it quite funny. You know, like the biggest concern someone has about me is, oh my God, he, John might be a, 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 a libertarian. Oh my God. No. I find it kind of funny, but I also find it kind of sad. I'm sharing this story with you because I want to share some other stories with you about what's going on in the world right now. And I want to share this as the background because it is time to get serious. It's time to put the baloney beside. It's time to understand the times we li are living in. We are living in extremely dangerous times. You know, just taking a side from a point. When you are bodybuilding or whether you're playing sports, there's always the fun time. There's the, there's the light training. There's spring training. There's preseason. But the minute everyone knows, the minute it comes to, hey, it's season time, it's time to, you know, the fun time is great, but we need to let it in. It's go time. It's business time. Same with training. You know, we all have our training regimes, but the minute it's six weeks from a competition, it's go time. There, there is no slacking off. There is no, oh, I'm just going to phone it in today. There is no, Ugh. Not quite feeling it today. No, it's go time. It's serious. 
But we're not even in that time because we're in postseason time now. It's losing your dumb. It's losing go home and sit on your butt for six months. That is the mindset we need to have. Now, here's the reason I shared the story about the speech is because it does annoy me in some ways. I'm not going to lie. It annoys me that we're so petty, that you have this Irish guy, whether you like me or hate me, I'm investing my life savings to do this tour. I don't come from massive amounts of money. Like the money that I'm going to spend on this tour is about 25 grand, maybe 20 if I can do it really cheap. But that's all I have pretty much. You know, it's not like I'm sitting on a million dollars going to go, yeah, look, 20 grand is nothing to me, baby. This is the way the world we live in. And the understanding that I'm going over to invest to try and remind you of your founding principles. Why? Because the world needs them. America needs them. The world needs them. We need to understand freedom because tyranny is growing. We've seen it grow for the last 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And coronavirus has made it go on steroids. So the world needs your founding principles. And that's why I'm investing in I'm investing in the future of the world. I may fail. I may succeed. I don't know. But it's worth the risk. And your concern at this time is, well, ah, gee, I wonder is he a Republican or not? Hmm. Why did I share this story? Because if we're going to su survive, if we're going to prosper, we need to understand that there are certain attributes that we always blame the left for, that we also need to understand are very much on the right. What are those attributes? Oh, the left are full of snowflakes. Oh, you say anything and they just melt away. Oh, precious little snowflake. Well, guess what? You also have that on the right. We see this on the left where the left will, will target different advertisers or different shows. And what you find is it's only minority, but they're very vocal. Oh, the left just can't handle it. In this case, one person had a concern. Speech cancelled. By the way, the speech was cancelled at my direction. My, my instruction was, if this is what you're concerned about, you're not going to like what I have to say. So they didn't counsel me. But this is the, the snowflake. This is the one person raised the concern, and it made all, a holy handshake after everything was agreed. Now, here's the thing I want to be crystal clear about, because there are people that might take this and kind of go, oh, well, John, you know, this is, this is why we're so concerned about social media. You're the free market guy. Does this group have the right to do it? Absolutely. You know, the understanding is, I always say this, you can act any way you want, but that doesn't mean I have to go, hey, great job, so smart. This group, you run your group ever how you want. It may be the dumbest set of rules I've ever said, but I will be there going, that person, even that person who annoyed me, has a right to run their group how they want. The reason I'm raising this is, I think they've done their members a disservice. That's what I believe. But they can do anything they want. But that doesn't mean I have to go cheerleader. That's the great thing about freedom. You can make really bad decisions, as we spoke about last week. You have a right to be an idiot and make idiotic decisions. But these are the times we live in. We live in perilous times because government is growing. Let me just give you one example from my side of the world. Ireland has been in the harshest, one of the harshest lockdowns around the world since Christmas. And there's some hope, and I say this very lightly, there's some hope that the government is going to take its boot off our throat in May. Some. 
Now, the criteria keeps changing, and I'm not too optimistic it will happen. I, I hope it does, and I'll be the first one to say I was wrong if it does happen, but I'm highly skeptical. Now, if you understand anything about the Irish lockdown, the Irish lockdown, you haven't been able to leave your house, with the exception of if you're going to work and you're an essential employee, or you go into the shops, or you're going to have to walk your dog or do some exercise. But if you're doing all of those, you have to be within three miles of your house. There's no restaurants, no pubs, no churches, no entertainment, no meeting with friends, no having friends in your house. So our government, this is just, I'm sharing this as an example. Everyone does this. Government creates a problem. They create because, oh, the coronavirus for our own health and safety, blah, 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 blah. They create this problem. They've released a report. It's now, was April 17th, April 18th. So four and a half months have been in, or four months been in your house. What do you think the outcomes are? They paid this company and civil servants to write this report to find the findings. And guess what they are? Apparently, we're all drinking too much and we're putting on about eight pounds every person on average. I think I'm way above the average because I haven't trained until recently. Right? So they create this problem. Now, what do you think the solution is going to be to these problems? Do you think the solution is going to be free markets or just leaving people alone? No, no, no. What we're going to have to do is, I know one of the things that's coming is where we need to increase the sugar tax. We need to tax people more on their, you know, to stop them for their own good, stop them eating chocolate so the government gets more revenue. Same with alcohol. They bring in all these stupid rules with alcohol that you can't use your, we have coupons over here, but they're not coupons, they're on a card. And if you shop at, you know, for every dollar that you spend in the shop, you get a point. And in the old, in the old days, like six months ago, people would, you know, build up their points and then might get a bottle of wine. And it's free because they've used up all their points. Can't do that anymore. No, it's encouraging drink culture. Can't do that. The government creates a problem, makes it even worse, and then expects to be the solution. This is the constant cycle that we are in. We need to start making the case week in and week out of why freedom and leaving people alone is always the best answer. But also it is the moral answer because government has no right to put its boot on your throat. ourselves in a, an unusual situation where everyone is really annoyed and really frustrated. So what's the cure? What's the cure historically? You know, we can we can talk about our problems. No, wouldn't want to do that. Oh, we can make fun of our problems. Can't do that in 2021 because everyone's offended. Oh, no. You said what? You gave a joke about what? Oh, my God. So what do we do? Well, let's resort to the old-fashioned tactics. Let's start a war, shall we? Because nothing covers over the cracks of, you know, social discontent than bombing someone. And that's where we're at right now. The world is in a situation where we're facing major conflict. And there's a conflict brewing in Europe. And I know a lot of people are going to hear this right and start going, oh, I don't care. I don't care about Europe. Trust me, you want to hear what I have to say on this. And it will affect you. And it's absolutely important you know something. 
about what's going on right now. So that conflict doesn't come in the Middle East. It doesn't come from North Korea. It doesn't come from China. It comes from Russia and Ukraine. There's a brief history, if you know, we've talked about this at the time when it was happening, where Putin annexed Crimea from Ukraine. But now literally what he is doing is he's literally transporting thousands of troops and thousands of tanks to the border. And there's a really situation which is getting really hot and hotter by the minute of a potential war in Ukraine. Why does this affect America? Because there's a situation in Europe that no one is talking about. If, and historically, if you're looking at this situation, you're kind of going, okay, well, what you would do is, it's Ukraine versus Russia. What you would do is understand that the European countries and as European as a bloc would get together and say, Let's, we, got, we got Ukraine's back. We got Ukraine. And sort of give, you know, guidance. Say, hey, look, we got you. Putin, don't do it. You would have other world leaders like Britain and America, you know, negotiating on the side with Putin, say, look, hold back, you know, let's de-escalate, let's bring down the tensions, let's just try and find some compromise there, I say it, let's just cool things down, let's not get escalate them, let's not get hot. The problem with that is that's going to be really hard to do in this situation because of Germany. Germany has potentially compromised itself over the last week. And you need to understand how, because it has nothing to do with this war. One of the things that's happening in Europe right now is every European country, whether you're Ireland, whether you're France, whether you're Germany, whether you're Italian, whether you're Spanish, whether you're Portuguese, we all have one common right. And that is Europeans' response to the coronavirus vaccine program has been shambolic. It is a joke. It is a nightmare. It is just horrifically bad. It has been run abysmally. The perfect case study of why government shouldn't do stuff is what the government rolled out. The idea of letting individual countries deal with their own situations would be brilliant, i.e. federalism. But it can't do that. Europe negotiates as a bloc because we are one big happy family. You've got the Germans and the French and the Italians and the Irish and the Spanish. Oh, Oh, it's like Thanksgiving dinner all over again. We negotiate as one or we fail as one. That is the European mantra. Well, let me give you some numbers just to show you how bad the European rollout of vaccines is. In America, that wonderful country, the United States of America, give or take, has about 38% of its population with one vaccine in it. And 23% of the country with at least two vaccines. So ID, you know, close to fully protected. The UK, different type of strategy, has 48% of people with one vaccine and 12% with two. Europe, oh, Europe, baby. Big government rules, baby. This is, wait till you hear these numbers. Like we literally blow America and England out of the water. You can take your 38% and your 48%. We smash you. 15%. You can take your 23% and 12% of people with both doses. We, we crush you on that too. 6%. So Europe is incredibly unhappy. And the person who's running the system is a German. We're just going wonderful. And what you have is every country going crazy. And your mainland Europe, places like Germany and Poland and Czech Republic, are going through spikes. France. They're bringing lockdowns in. 
Germany is the country I want to focus on. Germany is really unhappy because Germany plays a really important role in Europe. It needs its economy open. Merkel is under major pressure in her own party. Why? Angela Merkel is the, the kind of prime minister or president type role of Germany. She's under major pressure because she's retiring. She's technically a lame duck. There's major who's going to take over from her. But she had local elections, which would be like your state elections. Imagine, you know, Donald Trump as president and the GOP as the party. Well, in the local elections and all the governor's races and the mayor's races and the state houses, you get crushed. You get wiped out. It's Democrat everywhere. That's what happened in Germany. Merkel is under major problems. She's facing a bad economy. She's facing anxiety over coronavirus. She's facing major debt problems. She's facing problems in her own party. She's unhappy with this vaccine rollout. So she's trying to fix all. What does she do? They admitted last week they're going to Putin. And they're like, Vladimir, you need to bail us out. You need to give us the Sputnik vaccine. Now, of course, Vladimir hasn't refused. Why would you? Now, just let's war again this out. You, if you know anything about Vladimir Putin, you know all the tanks are going to the border. And one of the people who could potentially stop that comes to you and said, oh, look, we're in a bad way. We need your vaccine. Is there anyone who is silly, I don't know how to use the word stupid, or just so naive that thinks Vladimir is going to go, yes, of course, we give you a vaccine. No strings attached. Do you think that's going to happen? Is there anyone within the sound of my voice, even the most diehard liberal, the lefties, do you think Vladimir is going to do that? Or do you think there's going to be strings attached? Now, it might be something like attached like, we give you the vaccine, you pay for it. In Ukraine, you stay out of it. You mind your own business. Maybe that's the string attached. I don't know. We don't know if they're going to go through with the deal. But Angela Merkel is desperate. Now, why is this a big deal? And why, you're probably going, what? okay, this is all great, and this sucks for Europe, but why does this affect America? I'll get to that. If you take Europe out of that backing for Ukraine, what's left? If you take Germany out of that backing, oh, hold on, don't worry. We, we, I, I have the solution. I have the solution. Yes, I do. Putin has his tanks and his bombs and his military. The French man has his baguette. Oh, oh, oh. Putin may have bombs, but we throw butter. Oh, butter. We throw our baguettes at them. And after we throw the baguettes and they do not work, we have the white flag. Oh, oh, surrender. This is the plan. Now, again, I know a lot of people are going to go, well, again, John, I'm an American. Why does this affect me? This, you have to understand Vladimir Putin. You have to understand Russia. You have to understand what he wants. Because if you think that let's just say they go to war and it's a squash, which it most likely will be if no one else gets involved and they take over Ukraine. Do you think he's going to stop there? Now, if Germany's compromised and France has already thrown the baton, the baguette, and the roll up the white flag, what's going to happen? Where is he going to stop? Are you okay with the understanding of Vladimir Putin, Vladimir Putin is the key thing here, of totally controlling Europe and thinking you're safe. Well, I'm an American. He can control all of Europe, John. I don't care. It sucks for you. You're you Europeans, but, you know, that's on you. Vladimir Putin. If you don't understand anything about his story, eh, Europe, Ukraine, 
Europe, Germany, France, they may be nice little side trophies, but the big trophy Vladimir Putin wants is American. Vladimir Putin wants you because he is, all his ideology is largely fueled by you beating him and his country in the Cold War. Now's the time to start making the case for what you want to do. Now, there's going to be people who are going to hear this. Oh, watch on. You want us to get involved? You want us to go bomb Ukraine? Is that the answer? No. We need to understand the world we live in. We need to understand that Germany's potentially compromised. Europe has major problems. Biden can't stay awake long enough to, to understand what's going on. And he's compromised in Ukraine as well because of his background and his son. We need to start understanding that we have major problems and we need to figure a way out of these. It's not all of a sudden bomb people. It's not bomb city. Bombing gets you so far, but it doesn't solve the problem. There is not enough bombs in this world to solve all the problems that we have. But we need to understand when America is at its best. You need to start having these conversations because Biden can't stay awake long enough. You need to start having these conversations at the state level and reining back the federal government, taking power back from the president, taking power back from D.C., which to include fairness to you in some parts that you have done. But you need to do it a lot more because that is where the power lies in your country. You need to understand that if you're going to start making these big decisions, that you have the right person making them, the constitutionally right person making them. But also understanding how is America at its best? When is America at its best in foreign policy and around the world and, in, and domestically? America is at its best when you are the Statue of Liberty. This is something so many people do not get. You're at your best when you're the Statue of Liberty, when you're raising the principles of freedom, when you're living the principles of freedom, when you're that beacon of hope, of light, of opportunity. We can talk about this all day long, but we need to start working our way back towards those principles. We need to start encouraging your country to remind you, not to sort of look back and, oh, weren't they the good old days? No, to start re-understanding those principles, to start reapplying them, leaving the individual alone, making the case for constitutionally limited government, for an understanding that there is a clear role for government, but where there is a need, it should be as close to the people as possible. Or we can just all go bomb people and, you know, that always works out great, doesn't it? Our next leg of business around the world that really affects America and that we need to understand what's happening happens in Canada. I know you're probably going, oh my God, he's talking to me about Irish politics. He's, he's talking to me about, you know, silly speaking. He's talking to me about Germany. Oh my God, why won't he stop? Why won't he talk about what's going on in our nation? Well, you're segment four. You're the main event, baby. And you're the segment that literally is going to make my head explode. I'm going to struggle to keep calm on that one. But a situation happened in Canada this week that affects everyone. And it's been happening over the last couple of weeks. And I, you've probably heard of the story of Grace Life Church, where there's this pastor. And again, this affects everyone, whether you're religious or non-religious. 
whether you're, you know, an atheist or Muslim or Jew or Christian, it doesn't matter. This affects you. And this pastor is like, you know, with the coronavirus restrictions, is like, look, I don't care. I'm a pastor. I'm here. My job and my mission in life is to, to preach the word of God. And my church is going to be open um, at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, whatever time of service is. I'm going to be here. People can come. People can, you know, if they feel comfortable, can join me. If people don't want to and want to stay at home and watch on the webcam, cool. But I will be here. It's up to individuals. Imagine what a sovereign thought that it's up to the individual to decide what's best for them. Want to come? Come. Don't want to come? Don't come. But I will be here doing my job. And anyway, went through a long process. But anyway, he got arrested and was sent, spent, I think it was 37 days in a high security prison. You know, there's the pastor, you know, can you imagine that? Just think of that for a situation. High security prison, murders, rapists, terrorists, maybe. And the pastor, what was your crime? Oh, I uh, I preached the word of God. This is the world we live in, huh? But anyway, he got out. And, he, you know, fair play to the guy. You know, if I was there, I would support this church. I'd go to this church even if I didn't believe what they believed. That, you know, he was like, got out after 37 days and, most people, you know, it's fair to say, would have probably went, you know what? 37 days in a high security prison was not fun. Let's not do that again. You know, just that instinct in your body. You know, when you do something really painful, it's like, let's not do that one again. Let's, let's avoid that one. No, he was like, nope. Go back to my pulpit. I'm going to preach. Got to give him credit. He, he's committed. He's definitely, you know, got a, he's got some type of crazy wish going on with the government. But he went back and preached. Long story short. This church is now closed. They were barricaded around with, with fences. It's now got two layers of fencing around it. One, just a normal standard fencing. And the inner road has tarp. Now, fair play to the people in the community, because when the community heard that the, the police had done this, they went and actually started tearing down the fences. It was the people in the church who went, don't do that. Don't do that. Our churches, that is only a building. The church is in our heart. We'll go elsewhere. And they did. But now at this church, because, oh, my God, it's so, they're so, so dangerous. This church now has two layers of fencing around it and 27, 24-7 police. If you want to go watch the videos, it's on Rebel News in Canada. Just watch the videos. This should send chills all down your spine. America is different and individualistic in the sense that you have a God-given right and you acknowledge it to worship, to freedom of assembly, to freedom of religion. If you want to worship, worship. If you don't, don't. But no one has the full right to force you to or force you not to. It's a God-given right that cannot be taken away. It's not up for negotiation. There is no coronavirus clause in this. You have a right to worship. Now, it's up to the individual. If you're like a church and you're like, hey, we're not opening because no one's coming. Okay, cool, then don't open or if you're an elderly community and you don't want to go to church and you want to watch online, cool, do that. But if you want to go to church, go for it. This is a simple understanding. You are a sovereign being. Do what you want. You've probably heard this story, but I want to take it in a different direction. I want to analyze what is missing in our world. You see, everyone is great talking about freedom. Everyone, There's so many people who are like really good at talking about freedom. Oh, I'd never let the government do this. We have so many pastors who like, pat themselves on the back and oh, I'm so brave. Really? Why is it that around the world, 
we only hear this pastor. Where are all the pastors in jail? Because I want to share to you about how you win. How you actually win. You see, the problem with this story is because I've raised it with some of my liberal friends who are like very pro-lockdown about this story. Do you think this story is right? And do you know the response I got to a T? It was worded always different, but it was always the same sentence. Yeah, look, this is wrong, John, but there's more to this story than, than you're sharing. There's more, and I'm not saying it's you, because my liberal friends are more, you know, they're respectful. Like, we totally disagree on everything, but, like, they're not, they don't throw bombs. They're like, there's more to this story, because why is it only this church that's been targeted this bad? They had to do something else. That maybe it's, I'm not saying you're hiding it, but I can't find any information on it. It's just something extra here. See, this is the problem with individual. There is a problem with individualism. Individualism is great. I believe in individual rights. But if you want to change the world, what needs to happen is a set of people coming together for a common good and uniting. Not being a collective, but uniting on a common theme or a common purpose. Like, it's easy to talk about, you know, people like Martin Luther King. Obviously, Martin Luther King is one of the most spoke about orators and, you know, reverence of the time. But he wasn't the only one there. It wasn't just Martin Luther King on the Washington Mall. And it was him and that's it, folks. There was a collection of them. There was the warm-up people, the warm-up speakers who laid the case as well. It wasn't just Martin Luther King who walked across the bridge in Selma. If it was, he would have been ignored. Ah, it's just one black guy. Yay, it's Martin Luther King. But look, just ignore him. Now, Martin Luther King had to link arms with other people. And there was lots of people behind them. You see, here's the understanding that I see so many of my friends on the right struggle with. Is optics matter? Can you imagine the optics if we had priests bold enough to go, just like that pastor did, and said, you know what, I'm preaching. This is my job. I am actually, you know, dare I say it, I actually believe I, am, I have a calling from God to preach. And it is my sole job in this world to preach. And they locked up 10, 20, 30. You think everyone would be like, ah, that's great. That's wonderful. They throw away the key. I'm sure there'll be some people like that. But the vast majority of people, do you think they'd be like, oh, that's okay. Or if it got one step further, where they had literally the police tarping off this church. And if this happened in 10, 20, 30 locations in the country, do you think the people would be like, that's totally fine? Do you think the police, everyone would be supportive of the police? You know, what's funny is we live in this world where the left hate the police, in your, especially in your country. Oh, defund the police, baby. Right? It's usually the right who like the police. Can you tell me that if the police actually in your country tarped off 20, 30, 40, 50 churches, first of all, they'd struggle with the manpower. But if you had armed police in front of a church with a tarped off, do you think the police support would be as good? This is how you make change. We need to understand one person can change the world, but usually it takes a lot more. It takes one person to inspire change, but it takes a lot of people coming together with a common purpose, with a common goal to actually make the change. We need to start making the case as a group, as united. But how many people today actually want to focus on forming a group? Look around at the arguments that you see online. Look at the left. Dude, is there anyone on the left? And I'm using the left. I'm going to use the right language. On the left, who seems to want to negotiate with anyone. 
or, you know, sort of build a coalition. The left even hate the left. If, you know, if you, if you have a certain opinion on the left and it's not cool, you're ostracized. If you could agree on 90%, 10%, oh, oh, this way, please, into the, into the gas chamber, you're not pure enough. And that opinion can change. That 10% that you disagree on now, last week you could have been agreement on. That's the frustrating thing for me. They are so pure. They are so woke. It's so easy to defeat these people. If you just have any common sense or any semblance of principles and actually order them and preach them in a sound, principled way, you win. No one's joining the left. Why? Because even everyone, even if you're a lefty, even if you're a liberal, no, you're starting to see people speak out about this, that you're not pure enough. You have people like Bill Maher, who's always spoken out about this as far as I've seen. You know, where he's, I, I can't keep up with who's on the shit list this week. Excuse my French, that's his words. No one wants to join that. So what do we do? It's time to start building a coalition. But also, do our friends on the right talk about a coalition? You know, I love people talking about historically about Ronald Reagan. Oh, Ronald Reagan was this great orator. He was. But you know what Reagan did that we haven't seen in such a long period of time? Reagan was principled. Yes, he failed those principles and sometimes we've spoken about that in the past. But he had a semblance of why America was exceptional. He fundamentally understood your founding principles. He understood the Constitution. Didn't always act that way, but he understood it. He tried. But he also had something that no other Republican has had since. The Reagan Democrats. He built a coalition. What you see so many times with the GOP, and I got, this is going to get me cancelled on another speech, maybe. But you, the GOP is, oh, well, we're going to build a coalition. What we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to prove we can govern. We're, we're, we're only, you know, we're going to go on all the chat shows. Like that creep John Boehner. Oh, Ted Cruz. Oh, he's such a dangerous man. Oh, we can't have Ted Cruz. No, Ted Cruz is bad. And you have him literally writing on your book. I'm going to appease the left. Oh, please, left. Love me, love me, love me. I'm so desperate to be accepted by you. No. What we need to do is build coalitions by making the case for freedom. Making the case for why America is an exceptional nation. Without the Republicans, without the Democrats, without Donald Trump, without Joe Biden, principally. Why are you exceptional? Because these are principles that transcend politics. They transcend everything that you talk about. We need to be people who are willing to put it all on the line, who are willing to go, you know what? I'm, this, is the, this is the flag I'm going to, this is where I'm going to put my line in the sand. I'm putting my flag here and I'm not moving. Because I understand that this issue is critical. And whatever that issue is for you, it might be different. You might be listening to me kind of go, hey, you know what? My line in the sand is pro-life. Great. I, I, I'll be there with you. My, my line in the sand might be slightly different, but when it comes to pro-life, I'll be with you. Hey, I'm going to draw my line in the sand. It is, uh, you know, Article 5. Great. I'll support you as well. It's not my line in the sand, but I'll be there with you. You might have someone else who's going to, I'm putting my line in the sand where I understand what you say, John. Our country is going bankrupt. We need a balanced budget amendment. We need a constitutional amendment to make sure we can never borrow again. 
that if we are going to borrow, we have to pay it back within two years or, or whatever period of time it is. Great. I'll support you. I'll be right there cheering you on because I agree with all of those. It's not my line in the sand, but it'll be different. Your line in the sand might be the Supreme Court. And you have this brain dead idea from Joe Biden and all his people. Oh, we need 13 justices. <sighs> we'll talk about that on another show. That might be your line in the sand. Great, I support you. I'll be with you 100%. My line in the sand is understanding why America is exceptional. Because for me, that is the foundational stone you are built on. Everything else is great. They're all results-orientated. Not dismissing them. I will be supporting you 100%. But the foundational stone, and if you understand anything about architecture, if you even understand your scriptures, you understand the foundational stone is important. You can have the greatest house in the world. It can be the most aesthetically pleasing. You can have all the mop cons, your swimming pools, your gyms, your heated saunas, your cinema rooms. You can look at it and go, oh my God, this house is amazing. Who would not want to live in this house? If your foundations suck, your house will fall eventually. The foundational stone is the dirt that no one ever sees, no one ever pays any attention to, but it is the most important. We need to start understanding the foundational stones of what your country is built on. That you're built, that you did not happen. You didn't change the world by chance or by luck or by just mere, just fluke. It happened for a reason. Why is that? You know, if I was a, a ring announcer at the, you know, the boxing or the wrestling, this would be the time where, you know, and someone would say, you know, and it's time for the main events. Because it is time for the main event. It's time I get to talk about America. And boy, I wish I was going to talk to you about something that would inspire, that would be something warm and cozy and cute. And just something that would all make us feel good. But these are not the times we live in. I think, you know, the times we live in, are the warm and cute and cuddly is dead. It's dead. It's all about just, oh, anger and hatred. Your UN secretary, and I'm, because I despise this person so much, and I only know one thing about them, but I know I already despise them. Under Joe Biden, went on, because, you know, where else does the UN secretary go? You know, why go talk to the UN? Why go talk to any group? Say, let's go talk to Al Sharpton's group. And she went on to Al Sharpton's a, it was Action Network. And basically just went down and just destroyed America. And she said the white supremacy is woven into America's founding principles. She went on around about how white supremacy is in the cops and all these people who die, you know, anytime there's a black person died, it's automatically racist. I'm going to try and keep very cool when I'm responding to this. Take a step back, America. And look around, not at what you see on TV. 
Forget what's on CNN or MSNBC or Fox News or, or even The Blaze. I just want you to take a step back. And I want you to look around at your community. Your community, which is probably very diverse. It's probably diverse in, in age, in sexuality, in gender, in race, in religion. Very different in how you vote. The problem that I am really frustrated with right now is from a simple, just this Irish guy looking from the outside looking in, is the left's arguments are so weak and so boring and so repetitive. Like literally from a, from a, from a you know, making an argument in a debate, their arguments are so weak. Everything is racism, critical race theory. It's happening in England, by the way, as well. There's a guy who went on TV because Prince Philip died, just on a side point. This, this disease is spreading everywhere else in the sense that Prince Philip died. And because of the coronavirus restrictions in the country, they can only have Turkey people. And needless to say, you know, some of the Turkey people are, you know, his wife and the kids, you know, his, what, he's got four kids or something and the great grandkids and all this, you know, he's got different family. And someone went on TV kind of going, you know what the problem with Prince Philip and this is the problem with England today? Everyone going to that funeral is white. And you're like, seriously, come on. This is what you look at. You're actually literally looking at someone's last thing they will do. Not they will do, but, you know, they're involved in potentially in this world is their funeral. And you're like, hmm, we don't have enough black people there. Hmm. This is a problem. Racism. Race, 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 racist, racist, white supremacy. What do we have to do to solve this? Their arguments are so weak. We need to defeat them. But we need to defeat them in the right way. I get the argument. I get the frustration when I see all this racist talk. Oh, oh, you have this opinion. You're a racist. And it's like, oh, come on. I'm not a racist. Racism does exist, but I'm not a racist. And it gets so frustrating that you, you lash out. I get it. You're tired. You're frustrated. But we need to start making the case specifically what your UN Secretary General said. Because this person, it's bad enough that this person for the administration, you know, the administration that Joe Biden is so moderate. He's so just, you know, this myth around Joe Biden that he's some type of moderate. You know, he's just a typical Democrat. He's not an extreme lefty. You know, he's not like AOC or the squad. He's like just normal Joe. He's middle-class Joe or lunch bucket Joe or whatever moniker he gives himself today. But you have this UN Secretary General going to Al Sharpton's network. Can you imagine what they're going to say to the UN? Can you imagine what they're going to tell other countries? Can you imagine what the impact that's going to have? We need to start making the case for your founding principles. And in my case, it's not started, it's continued. Because I've been making them for so long and I ain't stopping. But when you have someone who has the audacity to say, white supremacy is woven into our founding principles. This is so easy to dismantle. This is so easy, it's unbelievable. Oh, okay, all men are created equal. Please tell me where white supremacy is there. And with certain inalienable rights among those life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Where's the white supremacy there? 
We're saying everyone has a right to life. It's actually you that support Planned Parenthood. It's you that support abortion clinics going into minority parts of the world. Saying, hey, you got a choice to kill your baby. Because guess what? If you didn't actually kill all those babies, the black proportion of the population would be a lot bigger than it is. But it's you who support Planned Parenthood. You support an organization that believes in eugenics. Go read the history of, founding, of Planned Parenthood. We believe in liberty. We're the people who say, generally, that's governments. Now, we, the right hasn't always lived to those principles, but in the general, they'll talk about it. Where is the left talking about liberty? Oh, you have a right to choose. Yeah, what else? You have a right to kill your baby. Great. What other liberty do you support? Because everything else you talk about is government-centric. That even your right to choose, which is loosely a freedom, which it isn't, but let's say it is, is bought, built around government. Hey, you have a right to pursue your happiness. Do you? Does the left believe you have a right to pursue your happiness? What happens if your happiness is to get extremely rich and you become extremely wealthy? Do you have a right to pursue that happiness or is it time to pay your fair share, buddy? But let's talk about the Constitution. That's the Declaration of Independence. Let's talk about the Constitution. How is the white supremacy to say the president, regardless of race or what party they have, has no real power? How is that white supremacy? Please explain the white supremacy angle of that to me. Or how about Article 1, where the federal government has 18 clauses of power and everything else is left up to the individual states. Whether those states are minority white, minority white, majority black, minority black, or whatever breakup there. That the states, you know, will, will have the power. How is that white supremacy? Or how about the Supreme Court? Just rule Article 3. Rule on whether a bill or a law or whatever case it is, is constitutional or not. How is that white supremacy? Oh, um, you must be talking about the Bill of Rights. Oh, yeah. You have a right to free speech. Again, explain the white supremacy angles. You have a right to association. You have a right to a free press. You have a right to petition your government. How are, explain these to me. How are they woven in white supremacy? The Article 2, or not Article 2, the amendment to the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. Where's the white supremacy in that? Is it white people have the right to bear arms? Or is it just the American people have the right to bear arms? We can skip over Article 3 because no one ever talks about it. It's stationed in your uh, soldier stationed in your house. Even though I would say they do that and they violate it with the NSA. The Fourth Amendment. You have a right to be secure in your papers and your persons. Again, explain the white supremacy angles. And where is this just affecting whites and not blacks and Asians and every other co color that you can be in this world? There isn't any oh, white-only clause. The Fifth Amendment. You have a right to be, you know, fair trial. You have a right to face your accuser. You have a right to present a defense for yourself. Again, explain the white supremacy to me in all of these. Explain how that is woven. If, if let's just say they are true, let's say what this person is saying, that white supremacy is woven into this, into the founding principles. If they're your founding principles, then thank you, white supremacy, because it is the most accepting document going. It is the most open document going. But the problem that I have with this, number one, and this is why I'm going to get angry. Number one, this is destroying and decimating the history of why you're exceptional. And yes, I'm not naive enough to know that is what they want. But secondly, 
You do have real white supremacists in the world. You do have them. You have them in your country. They are scum. If you, I'm sorry. I don't, actually, I'm not sorry. I don't care. I don't like using insulting words, but that is what they are. If you are like, hey, yay, I'm white, and you're white, and we're so much better than those people over there because they're not white. Not only are you scum, you're the most idiotic person I know. You have literally zero say over, unless you're going to dye your skin and do a Michael Jackson, you have literally zero say over what you say makes you the better. You can control anything you want. You can say, hey, guess what? I'm, let me give me a simple example. I don't say this, but I could say I'm smarter than 95% of people in America about America's founding principles. Now, why could I say that? Because I have read a lot. I've watched a lot of videos. I have researched a lot. I have read so many words in so many different forms about your country. I, I, I would put myself in the maybe top 10%. Let's, let's, let's not go too, you know, let's not get too uh, carried away with ourselves. But isn't, is, that a, is that wrong? Would I be factually ac accurate in saying that? Probably yes. And I probably could go higher, could probably go to top 5%. Because I have forgotten more about your country than the average person knows. I could say I'm better than them. But guess what? That's because of my hard work. That's because it's my interest. That person might say, turn around and say, and rightfully so. Yeah, John, you might know more about that. And you may be better on that front. But I'm a better at maths. Or I'm better at science. Or I'm better at medicine. You know, because there are people out there who are true. You know, well, my, my master's in, in chemistry says I'm better than you. Okay, cool. On that front, you'd be absolutely right. Why? Because of hard work. There are people who can turn around and go, well, John, can, can you hit a golf ball 300 yards? Not anymore. Well, then I'm better than you. Can you hit a baseball? No, I can't. I really suck. Sorry, I can't hit a baseball. It's usually the slow dribbler to first base. That's about it. But like, you know, or a big pop-up. But like, can I hit a home run? Maybe one one time out of a thousand. There's people who do that routinely. Well, they're better than me. Why? Because they work damn hard at it. We are based in skill. So if you're saying, hey, guess what? I'm white, baby. You're white, baby. We're better than those. There's no hard work. There's no merit. There's no earning it. And here's the thing. We have real white supremacists in the world. How do you defeat them? Do you defeat them by going, hey... There's 1% of the population, or whatever it is, it's smaller than that. But let's go on the high side. It's 1% of the population who believe in white supremacy and Nazism. How do you defeat them? Do you defeat that 1% by their ideology? Or do you go, hey, guess what? Let's make 50% of the population white supremacists because they voted a different way. They like Donald Trump. We live in a world that is so easy to defeat in the uh, obstacles that we face. This leftism is so easy to defeat. Yeah, how many times do we do it? We need to have cool heads. And I know that's rather ironic coming from me because I'm kind of heated right now. But we need to make the case. We must not let the left destroy the family principles and the right destroy the family principles of your country. Because I repeat again, your country changed the world and it did not happen by fluke or by chance or by some miracle, even though there was divine providence in there. It happened because you followed a certain path that was based in principles that were the most inclusive principles of all time. And by the way, on the, you know, some of the principles that you have, the easy argument is it's historically there. 
the understanding of if all oh, well, white supremacy is roving into the founding principles. One example: all men are created equal. Oh, that's white supremacy. How? You know what the white supremacist would have said if the white supremacist would have done what had been in America? If your founding fathers really were white supremacists, do you know what they would have done? And they would have been an easy cop out, and it wouldn't have even been white supremacy, quote unquote. It would have been following the words of the Magna Carta, the document that was inspired several other documents, which led to the founding of America. All free men are created equal. They could have went with that. Because, hey, guess what? If you're not free, you're a slave. Therefore, and the majority of people who are slaves are blacks. Guess what? There's your racist angle. Your founding fathers didn't do that. Thomas Jefferson did not do that. He said all men, not all free men, all men are created equal and endowed by the creator. These arguments are so easy to argue, but we need to start making the case, not about left and right or Trump or Biden or anybody else, but about your founding principles. Because we're going to have a world today, a year from now, two years from now, four years from now, that is so damaged through coronavirus, through debt, through just everyone accepting that government has a right to put its boot on your throat. And when it takes that boot off slightly, we're supposed to say, oh, thank you, government. You're so kind. Isn't it wonderful we get this freedom? But that boot can go back at a moment's notice. That because it, it belongs there. That boot is there. The status quo for government is having its boot on your neck. But guess what? If we take it off, it doesn't mean that that's the norm now. It just means that's what you get to live for a while. But at a moment's notice, it can go back. Because that's the status quo. Does that seem like a world you want to live in? I don't want to live in that world. I don't want to live in a world where we are free. Because here's the thing. The idea of this UN Secretary General going to the UN and telling all the countries that hate America how America is fundamentally racist, all the while been absolutely silent on countries like China, is disgusting to me. Is vile to me. It's reprehensible. There are people in this world who violate human rights and are not even sorry about it. They're the status quo. Countries like China, countries like North Korea, countries like Iran. There are people living under the death of tyranny. We need to be the ones that stand up for it. To be once again the shiny city on a hill. To be that candle. To be that statue of liberty. To say, no, there is another way. You are not meant to have the government's boot on your throat. You are meant to be free because you are sovereign. You are meant to have opportunities because you have a God-given right to pursue your happiness. This is the principles that win. And if America can all of a sudden just get out of this funk, get out of this pettiness, get out of this BS and start making the case, stop watching CNN or worrying about what MAC is saying or, you know, Brian Stelter is saying, who gives a crap? No one cares. No one cares what Rachel Maddow has to say. Just get out and talk to people. Because I would say this at the end of every show, and we'll come to the end of this show. America is great because of the sentiments of total. America is great because Americans are good. Right now, you're viewing America through the media, through your politics. Can you imagine if you just put the politics aside, put the media aside, and just went out and talked to your people, serve your people? your neighbors, your community, your church. Start serving them, breaking down those barriers. And actually say, as you know, let's just use it as a white example. If you're a white man or woman, and you actually start serving people, 
the aim of the game, if you want to win, is to actually serve people. So that anytime someone says, all those white people are racist, they're all white supremacists, that someone kind of goes, I know someone who voted for Trump. Uh, they were whites. They're not racist. Hey, I know someone like that too. I know someone like that too. And all of a sudden, you might only have five people they know. But guess what? It starts chinking in the armor. It starts breaking down that warrior. Hey, maybe not all people are racist. Maybe only some are. Maybe let's start having a conversation about who is racist and who isn't. Start breaking down those barriers and keep doing it. It's not going to happen overnight, but it will happen. Because here's the understanding, the secret sauce of America. You're not great because of your politics. You never have been. Even when George Washington was president, you were not a great nation because, hey, George Washington is president and everything is great now. Nope. You weren't a great country because of Calvin Coolidge because he was president. Nope. You weren't even a great country when Reagan was president. It's morning in America. Nope. Anytime you were great, it wasn't because of your politics or because of your politicians or because of who was in the White House. You were great because of your principles. You were great because of your ideas. You were great because of your innovation. You were great because of you. You. That is the message. And it's a message we badly need to share again. Because as I shared around the world, tyranny is growing. Tyranny is advancing. What is the solution? Your founding principles. So if you want to be part of the greatest comeback, start, cut away the BS and start preaching and start living, most importantly, your family principles, because you will survive. You will prosper. Because as scripture says, times may be bad right now, but this too shall pass. We finish up today's show the way we always do. You saluting you, the great American people. Never ever forget the sentence of Tocqueville. America is great because Americans are good. That means each and every one of you listening and your neighbors and your friends and your family. Until next Saturday, which you don't want to miss next Saturday's show. It's a big show. It's my 300th show on The Blaze. Oh, my God. Can you imagine we got that far? And my guest for the whole show is Dave Rubin. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, have a beautiful and blessed week. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network.